But today we're in our sixth lesson of the Jailbreak series, and I encourage you to take some notes. I believe it's going to benefit and bless you. It's the last of, uh, lesson of the series. Next week we'll start into our uh, new series. But we're talking about what it means to be released from these prisons that we can be bound within and to live free. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that we as believers don't live in prison, but we live in promise. And the promise is that he that the Son sets free is free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are truly, truly free. That's the promise of Jesus in our life. It's the promise that we are able to walk within. And in the beginning of the series, we talked about the fact that the church was in a home praying for Peter to be released. They were outside the prison praying for the person inside the prison. And the Bible tells us that external prayer resulted in internal revelation. How many are grateful that you can pray outside of a situation and see God move inside of a situation? Maybe you're not personally part of it, but you, you know somebody, you love somebody that's in a prison, prison cell somewhere and, and you know that you can pray for them and that God will move. I praise the Lord for that today. And some of us are praying for people that are in those cells. Cells of depression, cells of anxiety, cells of hurt, cells of anger, cells of bitterness. They're bound. They're not able to move. Love of money or love of career or taking pride or purpose in life out of even what this world will say are good things. It has bound them and kept them from being able to move forward in areas of life that maybe even matter more than finances or career. Things like family and relationships and so on. Relationship with God primarily. And so we, we understand that we can pray outside of these moments and we can see God work inside of these moments. But we also recognize that Peter was led out of the prison by the angel. The angel didn't pick him up and carry him out. The angel didn't translate him out or just move him out by, you know, beam him out, Scotty-ishness. I'm sure there's a word in there somewhere that I'm missing. No, the angel said, get up and follow me. And so Peter had to choose to follow him. We talked about that last week. For some, of us, for some folks, the decision to follow takes longer than for other people. In fact, I know of a lady who prayed for her husband. They got married. He had been raised in a Christian home. She thought he was a Christian. But soon after getting married, she realized that he came to church until he got married. And then once he was married, he just stopped going to church anymore. But she didn't. She remained faithful. And I'm always impressed by people who say, listen, I'm married and I'm faithful to my husband. He's a good man. She's a, I'm faithful to my wife. She's a good wife, a good woman. But they're not a believer. And I come to church because I am a believer. And so for 50 years, she went to church by herself every Sunday. She would always encourage him to go. He would always say no, and that's how life was. So it, was no, it, it wasn't surprising that she would be shocked. One day when the altar call came, it was a church where at the end of the service, they would say, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come forward. And she was totally shocked whenever she saw her husband walk down an aisle and go to the altar there that day and give his life to Jesus. He didn't know, she didn't know he was coming. 
She, he said no the same way he had every Sunday for 50 years. But that particular day, when she went on to church, for some reason, he changed his mind. And God changed his world that day. She said he was always a good man, but, the, but our world is completely different now that we're on the same page in faith in our home. It's such a beautiful thing. I praise God for that. And I would just suggest today that every one of us knows somebody that needs to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you would agree with that, if you say, yeah, I know somebody that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then I'm going to ask you to stand up with me right now. Just stand up with me if you say, yeah, I know somebody that needs Jesus. Even if that somebody is you. <laughs> I'm looking around the room. No, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, the fact is, is we know somebody needs Jesus. So let's link our faith together right now and let's pray. And here's how we're going to pray. We're not going to pray, God, we want you to slam your fist down upon their head until they recognize you. We're going to say, God, you want relationship with them. They need relationship with you. So we're asking you to move upon their life in a way that they cannot and that they will not ignore. Can we agree on that this morning? All right, let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we know that you can work inside a situation as we pray outside of the situation. And we know that you can turn the light on in their life and send an angel to wake them up. So we pray for every single man, woman, boy, and girl, every loved one, every friend who needs to know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And we're asking you to connect with them in a way that they cannot ignore and that they will not ignore in Jesus' name. Whatever the cost, save them. You, your word says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So we're asking you to save their soul at any cost on this earth in Jesus' name. Give them the heart to follow you, and we believe you for that today. And if that is your belief, would you just agree with me and say, amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise God for that. I'm excited to hear the testimonies of what God's going to do and how he's going to do it. Now we find Peter in the prison choosing to follow the angel and he ends up outside the walls of the prison. And that's where we pick the story up today. Acts chapter 12, verse number 11, the Bible says, Peter finally came to his senses. Is that your prayer for anybody today? Lord, let them finally come to their senses. I don't know how many people are praying that for me. Don't raise your hand. That, that, that's, that's bad. He came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother, mother of John Mark. Now, I have to correct something that I said last week. I don't recall which service I said it in or if I said it in all the services, okay? But I said that Peter was trying to go to the house of Rhoda, and I was wrong. It was not the house of Rhoda. It was the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. And so I'm asking you to forgive me. And Jesus says, you have to. So I kindly and humbly accept your forgiveness. Now we're all good. Where many were gathered for prayer. So many of the believers were gathered in Mary's house for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. 
And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's at the door. Peter's standing at the door. Peter's standing at the door. That's how I imagine it having happened. You're out of your mind, they said. And when she insisted, they decided it must be an angel or his angel. Now, in other translations, it would say it must be his ghost. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down. He's like, hey, I just got out of prison. Don't announce my presence so loudly. That's what's happening. He told them how the Lord led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. So Peter gets out of prison, but he can't get in the house where the church is. He's released by God from the things that have him bound, but he can't get into the house with the people who are praying for his release. The church was praying for liberation, but they were unprepared for him to be liberated. Last week, we said that we needed to exercise the faith to follow. And this week, if you're a note taker, I always encourage you to take notes. Opportunity is there in your service guide. Our big idea today is exercise faith to receive, to receive. You have to exercise the faith to follow, but you also must exercise the faith to receive the answer from God. And I just wonder how many times do we pray without expecting an answer? We don't expect an answer, and so we're not prepared for the answer. And and that shows up in our attitudes. People say things like, well, you know, know, this is the need that I have in life. And, well, I'm preparing for nothing good to come of this. I'm asking God to help me, but I'm preparing as if God's not going to help me. I'm, I'm believing that God will answer my prayer in theory, but in attitude, I'm expecting that he won't. And in action, I'm certainly not prepared for him to answer the prayer that I've prayed In our world, when we expect something to happen, then we prepare for it. And I have two thoughts for us today. Thought number one is this. The prayer of faith expects results. Expects results. When we have faith that something's going to happen, then we expect that something is in fact going to occur. If somebody says, I think you should invest in such and such a stock. But when you ask them, how much money have you invested in that stock? And they say, oh no, I'm not investing in it. I just want it for your good. I'd probably stay away from the stock. Because that is not how human nature works. If we expect something good to happen, we typically try to jump in on that thing that's good that's happening. But it's not always easy to expect good things to happen or expect results if you've recently had failures in your life. How many times have you heard? How many times have you said? I know that I have heard and I have said things like, I know I've prayed about this before and it, it just it didn't happen. 
I've prayed about stuff like this before and dot, 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 dot. I've prayed it and it didn't happen like I thought that it would. So I'm kind of just preparing myself. I had a situation years ago where, where I was uh, in, in a, a place with some people and we were talking and they were struggling to conceive a child. And so for the first time in my life, I'd never told anybody this before, and, and, but at that moment, something stirred in me and, and I felt like they were going to have a child. And so I won't give you all the details, but I, I told them some details and then I said, I believe that you're going to have a child. A month later, After trying to conceive for a long time, she's pregnant and they end up having this beautiful little baby. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, a little while later, I'm in a service and there's some people there that are praying about not being able to conceive. They want to have a child. And I felt something very similar. And, 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 and I was excited about it. We had just seen this other situation happen the way that it did. And so I I looked at them and I told them, I believe that you're going to have a child. Now, years have now passed and they still don't have a child like I thought they were going to have a child. And And that weighs upon me. Sometimes we pray for things and we believe for things. And if it doesn't happen, it begins weighing upon us. It's it's like in this situation, this story of Peter's deliverance is right next to the story of Herod killing James. James is put to death by Herod. And it makes people so happy that he says, I think we're going to do this again. Let's do this again. Let's just uh, arrest Peter and we'll put him to death too. Everybody be super excited then. But Passover showed up. So they couldn't do it right then. They had to wait. And now it's time to put Peter to death. The church is praying and there's a delay. Neither is Peter, Peter is not dead and Peter is not delivered. They're in that in-between state. Do I think that the church didn't care about James? When Peter, when James was, was taken by Herod's orders, did the church say, oh, All in all, if he wants to kill James, that's okay. That went over better in the first service. (laughs) No, no, I don't think so. Do I think they went, oh, he's got James, so we don't have to pray? No, I think they prayed. I, I don't think they wanted James to die any more than wanted Peter to die. I think they prayed for James just like they were praying for Peter. But James was put to the sword. So these things that we're praying for, those jailbreak moments, those deliverances, maybe in practical sense, it's it's a raise in your life or a promotion or a relationship situation that you're wanting to change. And, And you're praying into these things, but it hasn't yet happened. And so it weighs on you. Now, you might be faithful in the practical saying of prayers, But sometimes even prayer can become a prayer of obedience or a prayer of habit or a prayer of obligation versus a prayer of faith, a prayer of faith. The Bible says in Matthew 21, verse 22, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. 
Now, I know that theologians and, and people, all believers for many, many years, have tried to separate the idea of if you pray for it and believe it, you can have it. But these are the words of Jesus. And if we, have, if we believe the words of Jesus, then we can't say, well, I believe this word of Jesus, but not that word of Jesus. That's a good amen moment. So, <laughs> and you're like, and we're still not certain where you're going next, so I don't know if we're going to amen that or not. Jesus said, you can pray for it, and if you have faith, you can receive it. Now, does it mean, I'm not going to go into that. That's what he said. It's a prayer of faith. Again, Mark 11, 22 and 24, through 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it. It will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So Jesus is very clear. He's saying it multiple times in multiple ways. That when we pray the prayer of faith, we can expect for something to happen. So what is this prayer of faith? How, how do we pray this prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is made for relationship and from relationship. The prayer of faith for relationship. Let's think about that first. How many are saved. You know that you're saved in this room right now. You know that you're saved. Online, raise your hand too. Come on, if you're saved, raise your hand. Okay, we'll pray for those who aren't certain. We pray the prayer of faith and salvation. We say, Lord, I need you, and I, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and so from this place, moment forward, I'm your child, you're my God, and we know that when we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, that he, in fact, will take us to heaven when we die, right? That's the hope that we have in Christ. And so we can live with confidence and certainty and assurance of our salvation. It's a prayer, however, of faith. It's not one that we have seen the result of that just yet. When we prayed and God saved us, he did not immediately take us to heaven. We didn't, a gold card didn't appear in our wallet. And, and it said, heaven's pass. And as long as you have that, you're good. No, it's a prayer of faith. It's a walk of faith. It's something that we know for certain, though we haven't seen the totality of it just yet. So when we start praying for someone else, a loved one, a healing in their life, a healing in our own life, a, a situation to change, then sometimes... From the moment that it's prayed, there is a, a gap between the moment it's prayed and the time that we see its fruition, when it actually comes to pass. Praying for someone and expecting an answer may, is right and may take time. Why? Because God desires that relationship. It's for relationship. The prayer of salvation is for relationship. I want relationship with you. And it's from relationship because the prayer of faith, once we're saved, we are the child of God. And now when we pray, it's from that standpoint of relationship. It's saying, I know you, you know me. I, I have relationship with you and you, want you wanted relationship with me. And so now I'm praying from this place of relationship. 
The other night, Tyrion, our youngest that's still living at home, he, he wanted some friends to come over, a, a friend's home from college. And so they were going to get a bunch of people together and hang out in the basement. And then they were going to go to a restaurant and then they're going to come back. And Tyrion just kind of informed me that a posse of people were going to be coming to my house at a time far later than anybody should be going anywhere and hanging out longer than anyone should. And then they were going to go to a restaurant and then they were going to come back and do it all over again. And, and he did not do that with the idea that I was going to say, no, that can't happen. Never entered his mind. Even though he set the alarm off whenever he came in the house. And still has not apologized for it. Not that I'm better. I'm just getting better. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So with that, he's, he's doing it from relationship. And he's right. If he's going to be anywhere at that time, I want it to be in my basement. And I want his friends to be there. I'm thankful they're there. From relationship allows there to be a level of confidence and certainty. So when you and I are calling out for our loved ones and our friends and we're saying, hey, God, I'm asking you to work on their behalf, it's from a place of relationship. And because he has been faithful in the past, I know he's going to be faithful today. Do I understand how it's going to work out? Not exactly. Do I know when it's going to happen? Not, for re not really. But do I know that he is faithful regardless of what I ask? The answer is yes, because he is a faithful God. God desires relationship from them, from me. And so that prayer of faith is for relationship and from relationship. But that prayer of faith is also made by the faithful. Made by the faithful. We ask and we expect results. Because we are consistently faithful in the relationship that we have with Jesus. It's not that we're perfect. But it's that when we fail and we fall, it means that we come to him and say, hey, I'm faithful in this relationship. So you said when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father and I'm coming to the advocate right now. We don't, we don't cower away in fear and we don't try to run away and hide. No, we're faithful in that relationship. Like the lady who for 50 years, her husband didn't come to church with her. And for 50 years, she was faithful in that relationship, regardless of what her husband was doing. Faithfulness. But sometimes, sometimes we expect God to be faithful in our side of the relationship whenever we are being unfaithful to him in other areas of relationship. We ask him for his blessing over here while dishonoring him over there. It's not saying that we'll never make a mistake. It's saying that we say, I'm sorry when we do. Christy and I have been married for 25 years and I can't tell you how many times I've made mistakes in our marriage. She can, I can't. I'm kidding, she doesn't keep records that I know about. <laughs> so for 25 years, it's not an issue of never having made a mistake. It is, a, it is an issue of never having walked out. It is an issue of always coming back to her and saying, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. It's being faithful in the relationship. Even, even more so, it's being, it's being more faithful in the relationship to where even a, a mistake or a problem or a difficulty or just doing something dumb doesn't destroy the relationship. 
I've told this story before. I didn't tell this in the first service, but uh, asked a man who we were celebrating their 62nd anniversary in, in Tomball, and, and I, I went to him after the service and said, can you give me the secret of being married for 62 years, sir? And he looked at me, and only as a very old Texan can, he said, don't leave. <laughs> I said, no, I want the real nitty-gritty, he said. If you don't leave, you stay married. <laughs> and he's right. If you don't leave, you stay connected. So be faithful. Prayer of the faith is made by the faithful. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. It means that we continually push in our life, with our life, to honor God. Faith equals faithfulness. So we do what we can and we trust God to do what only he can do. But thought number two is expectation drives preparation. Expectation drives preparation. We always prepare for what we truly expect. The other day I was uh, working from the home office and Tom Thayer, one of our uh, chair of our elder team, um, we were communicating back and forth via text, and he said, are you uh, at the office now? I said, no, I'm actually at my home office. He said, great, I'll be at your house in a few minutes. I just want to show you something. And my immediate thought wasn't, is Tom welcome at my house? Of course he is. My immediate thought is, when Christy hears about Tom coming to our house, will she think we're prepared? So I immediately raced downstairs and vacuumed and fluffed pillows and did all the stuff. She wasn't at the house. So all the stuff that I knew she would have done had she been there, I did it. I even lit candles and things like that. Oh, yeah, I'm trained well. It was amazing. Tom didn't seem to give a rip. <laughs> he didn't ask me at all why I was sweating when he came in. He just, we just talked for five minutes and he left. And I thought... Yeah, sometimes we spend 25 minutes preparing for a five-minute moment because we expect something to happen. Prayer is spiritually pushing against what is with an expectation for what is not yet. When did you last prepare for a prayer to be answered the way that you prepare for somebody to show up at your front door? At church, we're praying for souls to be saved, amen? Amen. Corporately, an individual, we're praying for people to be saved. And we're preparing for that. We're consistently making room at the table. It's a big deal for us to make room at the table. That's why we've asked people to move to the first service and the third service from this service. Because we know this service is where the majority of our guests come. And we want people to have room to sit. In fact, first service was filled enough today to where people actually had to sit in the front row. Miracles, signs, and wonders are occurring. It's a good thing. We care about making room at the table in life groups and in teams and serving opportunities and adding services if we need to. We're building a new building so that we can continue to make room at the table for people. We're always trying to uh, maximize the opportunities that God gives us. And Mary, who owned the home, she should have told Rhoda, the servant, hey, we're praying for Peter to be released, so I want you to go grease all the hinges on the doors and the gates. So when he comes in, it won't screech. 
We, we want to make sure. Let's make some food and prepare it so that when Peter walks in, we'll have something good to give him after he's been in prison for a number of days. We, we want to make sure that we have a plan so when Peter shows up, we can get him out of town quickly so he won't be arrested again. That's what the church should have been doing. But they weren't doing that. In fact, Rhoda was so excited that she heard Peter that she didn't open the door. She, she just wasn't mentally ready for that, emotionally prepared for that. She wasn't, she wasn't ready or instructed for Peter's arrival. So much so that she began testifying about what she would not receive. She went and said, Peter's at the gate, Peter's at the gate. But she wouldn't let Peter in the gate. She testified about it, but she wouldn't receive it. Musicians, would you come on? I had a situation years ago where a man came to the church and uh, we were praying and believing that God was going to give him a new job. He was praying for this new job and, he, and praying for this promotion. And so we started praying. A few weeks later, he comes back. He says, I got the promotion. I was like, yes, that's awesome. A couple weeks later, I said to him, hey, how's the new job going? He went, oh. See, because what had happened was, I said, what do you mean, oh? He said, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't take it. I said, really? He said, yeah, I, I took it, and then I was there for a week or so, but I realized that, you know, it came with a raise, and it, it came with better benefits, and, it, you know, and, and my title was better, but, but they were really expecting a lot more of me. It came with a lot more responsibility, so I gave it back, and I went back to my other job. good for you and I walked on but what happened in that situation is he was praying for something he wasn't preparing for did he not think that a substantial raise a better title and a nice office and other such things were not going to come with a little more responsibility than what he already had he wasn't prepared and so he ended up giving back the blessing. Rhoda was more connected with her need to share the news than Peter's need to be in the house. Peter's at the gate. Peter's at the gate. I can't wait to share the news with everybody. I'm posting it on Facebook before anybody else has time to. Instagram picture. Got to tell everybody. Have you ever seen the person that announces to the world that someone else is pregnant before the person did? Ever been the, no, don't raise your hand on that. I'm just, I gotta tell the news. Well, let's get him in the house first. Some people are more connected with sharing news than actually receiving the blessing. Telling the story versus opening the door. And let's not forget the many believers. It literally says many believers. Many believers were more prepared for Peter to die than for Peter to be liberated. How many people are praying for the economy in our country right now? Every hand in this building should be raised. How many of people are praying for our country at large? We're going to work on this. We need God to move, amen? 
on every level. Are we preparing for God to answer our prayer or are we expecting everything to just crash and it's all bad news? Faith in action. The believers were praying for Peter's liberation and said, yeah, you're hearing his voice at the gate and it's most likely his ghost. He's most likely dead. So sometimes even when we see or hear some sort of proof that something good is happening, our lack of faith will take that and twist it to the point where we'll take good news and find the dark cloud in it. That's not how God works in our life. What are you praying for? Whether it be in your life or in someone else's life, are you prepared for their release, for their jailbreak? You might say, well, what if God says no? What if God doesn't answer the prayer? What if, what if like James, Peter dies? What if the thing doesn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen? What if things get worse instead of better? What if the boss doesn't do what I think they should do? What if the thing that I'm praying for does not happen the way that I think it will? Here's the reality. You can't answer those questions. And neither can I. The only thing we can do is take the option off the table. The only thing we can do is operate out of fear and anxiety and hurt and, and all the stuff that has us bound. We can continue to allow it to bind us or we can say, I am not going to be bound by things of this world. I am going to trust that the same God that can save my soul can save my reality right now. The reality of my friend, my loved one. It's not in our hands. It is in his hands. And so all we're doing in prayer is saying, God, you've got this. We believe you've got this. And so we're going to prepare like you've got this. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There is an urgency. The urgency is because we don't know when our last day on earth is done. Every one of us knows somebody that has died in the last 12 months. And there'll be many who die today. So I'm just going to put it out there right now. We've been talking about God answering prayers and delivering people. And the greatest deliverance you can ever experience in your life is the deliverance of Jesus taking away the sting of death, hell, and the grave. By paying for your sins as you allow him to be your Lord and Savior. And so if everybody will just bow their heads with me, we're going to pray out loud together so nobody has to pray alone. And I'm going to ask you to pray loud so that anybody who is desperately crying out for a Savior today will have the courage to be able to declare this to the Lord. I'm going to ask prayer partners to go ahead and come forward right now because we're going to, ask, we're going to open this up for prayer as, as soon as we're done praying this prayer. But if you today know that Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, it's time for you to come out of the prison that binds you, the prison of sin and death. And so right now, we're gonna pray and you're gonna be set free. By faith, we know this is true. So let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I love you. I believe that you live, that you died, and that you rose again for me. I'm thankful for your sacrifice. And so today, I apply that sacrifice 
to my life. I repent of all my sin. I turn from what is wrong toward you. And today, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I am your child. You are my God. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Praise the name of the Lord.